Gary Hoffman. Gary Hoffman. You know what with Shannon Farron. Hope you're ready for the next episode. Hey. Gary and Shannon. Every day. Gary and Shannon. It's uh, it's Wednesday. It's far, February it's, uh, the 21st now, if you can believe it. Well, it is now a week after the shooting at Parkland High School, uh, at a Parkland High School in Florida, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, as a matter of fact, and the kids from Tala, kids are now in Tallahassee uh, after a long bus ride and uh, staying up way into the wee hours of the morning to uh, get their speeches right, etc. They spent some time in the state capitol there in Florida last night watching the state Senate and uh, State Assembly. Do they have an assembly there, Monica? Yep, they, they call sure it do. The assembly? Uh, they don't call it the assembly. They call it the legislature. Okay. Well, yep. in fact, they um, they voted down what would have been. They voted down debate on what would have been an assault weapons ban, basically. And without getting into too many details, that's it. But they spent a good hour or so just wrapped up. Uh, students taking to the podium there in one of the hallways in the legislature uh, basically just uh, airing their grievances with what's going on in Tallahassee. And there's a there's a lot to get to today. We have not only these kids and their activism there in the Florida legislature, there's also going to be the listening session today. The president is hosting teachers and students from not just Parkland, Florida, but also from Columbine High School in Colorado and Newtown, Connecticut at Sandy Hook. They'll be at the White House today. A little bit later in the show, we're hoping that they stick to their schedule We'll be able to dip in and listen to some of those comments, I think, at the 1 o'clock hours when that's going to happen. Also, CNN is planning its own town hall meeting in Florida tonight. They have both senators from Florida, Bill Nelson and Marco Rubio, one Republican, one Democrat, and a couple of state legislators. I think the governor had pan, uh, the, the governor bowed out not too long ago. Uh, but they'll also be able to talk um, to students, to parents, to teachers, administrators, et cetera. They're in Parkland and in other areas. And then there was a student plot here locally that was broken up. There was a 17-year-old who was threatening to bring a gun to El Camino High School near Whittier, uh, according to deputies. And last week, they were able to break this thing up. But they did find that the kid did have guns at home. So that's not great. But it is great that the plot was stopped. Um, the, this should terrify you because apparently what set this kid off and prompted the threat was a disagreement about headphones, a disagreement with a teacher about headphones. I think that one of the one of the uh, many tendrils that we have to talk about when it comes to reducing violence in general is parents and their willingness to impose rules upon their own children. I told my kids. You can break the rules, but you must pay the consequences. And it's not their fault that you got caught. It's your fault because you broke the rules. And I said this to my kids. Both of them had phones. And in high school, I said, listen, you know the rules. You're never allowed to take your phone out during class. If for any reason you get your phone taken away from you from by a teacher, I am not coming to your rescue. And you're going to pay the consequences. Same thing if you drop the phone I am not buying a new phone for you. That's your responsibility. It's that simple. If this kid, if this kid is so upset that a teacher tells him, or I should say reminds him that he can't bring electronics to school or cannot have them out in class, that his only reaction is 
threatening to shoot up the school. I'm looking at you, mom and dad. That, that to me, is clearly a sign that this kid is not getting what he needs at home. It's frustrating because now it puts the onus upon the teacher and the administrators and the school safety officer there uh, to to handle all of this because mom and dad are uh, afraid of their own kid. It's it's a frustrating thing, and I think that's one of the things that you cannot ignore in these situations. All right, but here's where we stand. These Florida school shooting survivors walked on the Capitol, and there are literally hundreds of high school kids outside the Capitol building there in Tallahassee, Florida, and have demanded action, some sort of an some sort of action on weapons. And I think one of the things they need to make sure that they do, they don't get lost in all of this, is what sort of agenda they have. What is it that they do want to see, other than just demanding action in a very nonchalant, occupy Tallahassee way, they need to have a specific set of things that they want their state to do. Um, you know, all of this, in fact, I just saw him interviewed on uh, on Fox News Channel, is a senior at Park uh, at the high school there in Parkland, a senior named David Hogg. And I call out anyone to do a little bit of self-reflection if you continue to propagate the rumors that this 17-year-old, now 18-year-old kid, I believe, is somehow a paid actor, a 26, 27-year-old actor who is going around and taking advantage of shooting scenes in an attempt to push a gun control agenda. He's just angry. I talked to him several times when I was in Florida. These kids are now getting angry. He's very well-spoken. Yeah, Here's the thing, though, that people are now ascribing the fact that his father was an FBI agent, retired now, that his father has been feeding him the lines to say about his anger over seeing classmates shot and knowing some of the people who were killed last Wednesday. I, I In fact, this morning, I was telling Oscar, as I got into the office, I started seeing these posts from people about how... They were showing their disgust about how far the anti-gun people would go to pay a 27-year-old kid to act as a, a high school senior at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. And then alleging that he graduated from, I think it was Redondo Shores High School in 2015. That is complete BS. I retweeted not too long ago at Gary and Shannon a video that absolutely, that absolutely debunks the finger quotes here, the yearbook photo of David Hogg from Redondo Shores High School that says he graduated in 2015. And there you are should- a lot of Republicans in Florida that are that are disgusted with it, too. Marco Rubio tweeted yesterday saying it's disgusting. Yeah. And there was a, there was an aide. One of the state legislators in Florida fired an aide for retweeting this whole thing that David Hogg is somehow a paid actor. Shame on you. And dare I say you're being an idiot when you do that. It took me four minutes to figure out, besides the fact my gut was right on this, it took me four minutes to find evidence that this kid moved from California in 2014. He is due to graduate from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School this spring. Some uh, some people also pointed to a video that he was in from uh, from Channel 2 here in Los Angeles back in August and said, see, he never, he was here the whole time. He was here on vacation and just happened to be a witness to a uh, a weird viral video of a fight between a lifeguard and somebody else. 
this this frustrates me because all, all you're doing then is ignoring the questions that these kids are asking and saying, well, why would I even answer to that kid? He's a 27-year-old actor. You're being an idiot. You're being an idiot. And if you have posted one of these things, you got to go back and take it down. Anyway, we come back. We'll talk more about this uh, this threat at El Camino High School near Whittier. And the bottom of the hour is when the sheriff is expected to have some sort of a news conference. Chris Ancarlo is there. We'll get this thing all covered and wrapped up. Shannon will be along. Don't worry. Shannon will be here today. She's just running a little bit late for some reason. I don't know why she doesn't tell us anymore. Gary and Shannon will continue. About the uh, sad news overnight as well that uh, Billy Graham died at the age of 99 years old. And although, uh, you know, there have been plenty of religious leaders over the course of uh, decades, centuries, who have uh, fallen short, this guy led a life that, uh, as far as I could tell, was without controversy. Uh, We'll talk more about that in the 12 o'clock hour. Uh, And as we continue discussing what's going on in Florida where the survivors of the shooting in Parkland, Florida, rolled into Tallahassee to tell their state lawmakers to be on the right side of history. There are still funerals being held. A public memorial for one of the seniors, Nicholas Dvorak, will be held at 5 o'clock tonight at the Parkland Golf and Country Club. There is a a funeral mass for Chris Hickson, who was the athletic director and wrestling coach, considered one of the heroes in the event from last week. Governor Rick Scott is going to be uh, attending that one. He, uh, Chris Hickson, served in Operation Desert Shield and Operation Desert Storm and will be buried with full military honors. There was also a, a, one of the kids who was killed, um, if I remember right, actually died wearing his ROTC uniform. And uh, there had been a petition. I don't know how this panned out, but there had been a petition to bury him with full military honors. Um, so, uh, But again, tonight there's a, a couple of things happening. One will be during our show, the president is scheduled to hold some sort of a a listening session with parents and students and um, survivors of shootings, not only in Parkland, but also the Columbine shooting from 1999 and from Sandy Hook uh, in uh, Newtown, Connecticut. That's expected to take place in the one o'clock hour. We'll dip into that and listen to some of those comments. But also CNN has a, a town hall meeting called Stand up. The students of Stoneman Douglas uh, demand action. It will start at 6 o'clock our time tonight. Jake Tapper, of course, is going to be their uh, their moderator. It's closed to the general public, but they're going to broadcast this. The students from the high school, parents, community members as well. The network has confirmed that the NRA is going to participate. Uh, Dana Loesch, uh, who is a spokeswoman for National Rifle Association, is going to represent the group uh, as well as the two senators from Florida, Bill Nelson and Marco Rubio, on opposite sides of the political aisle, but uh, maybe finding some sort of a common ground in uh, in tonight's discussion. Now, we mentioned that the kids from Florida had walked a uh, bust, I should say, to the state capitol in Florida to demand some sort of action. And while they were sitting in the gallery last night, there was a, a pretty astonishing thing that was uh, probably a slap in the face to many of them. 
lawmakers voted down a motion that would have considered the, uh, a ban on semi-automatic guns and large-capacity magazines. Now, there have been – this is not the only time it's ever come up in the state of Florida. This is not the only time it's ever come up anywhere in the United States, as a matter of fact. These come up quite often. And what they saw last night was the Republican-dominated Florida state legislator vote, legislature voted down this motion. And again, this wasn't the bill. This was just a motion to get this thing onto the floor, open for debate, for questions, etc. So to say that they voted down an assault weapons ban is not true. What they did was they voted not to debate on it. You can argue that way. Just make sure how, make sure that when you argue, you argue correctly. Um, what they did was this uh, this thing was moved was not to be moved from committee to the House floor for questions. And because of the the calendar for the legislature there in Florida, this basically kills this bill. Uh, there were others that they were talking about, including one on carrying weapons or allowing weapons at private school campuses, if possible. So. Uh, that's one of the things that they are going to be dealing with is the fact that bureaucrats suck and lawmakers can suck, especially if you have one specific goal in mind. These lawmakers are dealing with all these different issues and they're going to disappoint you. It's just the way it's just the nature of what it is. And as we saw and heard in some of these speeches from these kids, they know that, and they're willing to uh, use their vote in many cases because a lot of them have turned 18 or will turn 18 before November. They're going to use their vote to get rid of people who do not like uh, and will not act on their agenda, uh, which I think is the probably the greatest thing that these kids have going for them is the ability to vote people out of office. Now, one of the stories uh, that we're going to cover locally is this 17-year-old boy who threatened to bring a firearm to El Camino High School near Whittier on Friday. And again, that was two days after the shooting in Florida. So you can imagine everyone was on high alert. He was apparently making a threat while at a continuation high school on Keese Drive, which is in an uh, unincorporated area of South Whittier. And we'll talk more about what he did, what he said specifically that raised the attention of the sheriff's deputies who were on campus or sheriff's deputy was on campus and how it is that this thing could have gone down. Plus, we're waiting for a news conference. Sheriff Jim McDonald is expected to give more details on this uh, and uh, the way that the sheriff's department reacted to this uh, within the next several minutes. So we'll jump into that as well. And Shannon will be along. Don't worry. She'll be here. Gary and Shannon will continue. We are uh, standing by waiting for a news conference from L.A. County Sheriff Jim McDonald. There was uh, a shooting plot that was broken up at uh, El Camino High School in South Whittier last week. He's expected to bring us some of the details. Um, A huge thank you to Sherry, by the way, on Facebook, who uh, gave me the information. 15-year-old Peter Wang was killed um, in the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting on Wednesday of last week. And he was apparently wearing his ROTC uniform at the time of the shooting. He was killed while trying to help classmates escape. West Point announced yesterday, the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, announced that he would be posthumously accepted to West Point for his heroic actions. 
and then varied in his junior reserve ROTC uh, uniform, his junior ROTC uniform. And uh, according to the uh, the military academy, Peter had a lifetime goal to uh, attend uh, the academy at West Point. So it says it was an appropriate way for USMA to honor this brave young man. West Point has given posthumous offers of admission in very rare instances for those candidates or potential candidates whose actions exemplified the tenets of duty, honor, and country. He would have been in the class of 2025. So big good news there. On Wednesday, of course, was the shooting there in Florida. On Friday, on Friday, a security officer at this high school here in L.A. County overheard a troubling threat, plotting to create some sort of uh, similar attack at El Camino High School in Whittier. That information allowed the sheriff's department to head off another school shooting, according to Jim McDonald, who is expected to hold its news conference in the next few minutes or so. And what they said was uh, when this uh, originally happened, the student was upset about because uh, because of a disagreement that he'd had with a teacher because he brought headphones to school and students aren't allowed to have electronic devices out during class. And I said this earlier, I will say it again. Mom and dad, this is on you. If your child cannot emotionally handle being told by a teacher that they cannot have electronics in class to where they feel like the next best option is to threaten violence, and let alone even acting on it, but they feel like threatening violence is the next best option, mom and dad need to come in on this. The uh, lawyer for the Norwalk La Mirada Unified School District said a safety officer heard the student threaten to bring a gun to school. And when questioned by officials, the kid did not have a gun on him, but the district sent a team which included the superintendent, the director of student and family services, the assistant director of alternative education, a school counselor, and a district specialist to the school to talk to the student. Law enforcement was notified within 45 minutes of the incident. Uh, The student had been arrested, but a sheriff's detective wasn't confirming that. We'll get more from the sheriff today. They did say they found weapons, but they haven't gotten into a whole lot of detail about what exactly they found at this kid's house. They said they seized a collection of weapons and ballistic evidence from the home of the student, who was described as disgruntled. He is being held without bail, but uh, we're not getting an identity because of his, uh, his age. He's only 17. It was not clear when the kid planned to carry out an attack if, in fact, there was an actual plan outside of an empty threat. And they weren't talking about what kind of weapons were recovered or talking about any possible criminal charges against this kid. This, along with this one, by the way, police in Inglewood a couple days ago said they became aware of a plot on social media indicating that students attending a specific Inglewood school were at risk of being targeted by a shooter. And they picked up that person behind the original post. They've talked about criminal charges with the DA's office. Inglewood police said that they're going to keep a heightened presence at all unified school district facilities in Inglewood as a result. And then yesterday, uh, this morning, I should say, Long Beach Unified alerted parents to an unconfirmed threat and that an attack was being planned at Long Beach Polytech High School. And on their website, the superintendent wrote, 
while these rumors are unsubstantiated, we take them seriously. We're working with law enforcement to actively investigate. You will see additional law enforcement presence at the school today. We appreciate those who alerted us. Your students will be safe and protected at school. I said this yesterday in terms of the presence of law enforcement on school campuses. In the in the very slim chance that your kid's school becomes the site of an incident like this, I would be so heartened by the idea that law enforcement would be there to welcome them back. And I've said this about specifically about Douglas High School, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School there in Parkland, that in the instance when those kids do go back, on Sunday I think they have sort of an open house, reacquaint yourself with the campus for parents and students to go back and just be present at a place that is going to forever be in their minds as a place of horror perhaps. And then when the kids do go back, I believe it's Tuesday, a week uh, week from yesterday, that they're going to reopen the school, that it would be reassuring to me as a parent, and I'm not speaking as a high school student, but as to me as a parent, to see the campus lined with officers, lined with officers, because it's going to be hard enough for these kids to go back into that place, not even in the building where all of this took place, but on the campus, that I would want them to be in a place where they were certain that nothing was going to happen to them. And dozens of officers, if not a couple hundred, surrounding that campus. I, I mean, you're gonna get you're gonna get cops to volunteer from around the state, if not around the South, the entire southern United States, who would volunteer to show up in uniform and be shoulder to shoulder around that campus. Someone mentioned that former police officers, retired police officers, maybe veterans uh, who can't get jobs after coming home from war or something like that, that these people should volunteer to be school resource officers and maybe place them across the country. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. that's one of those. But but that's one of the, like, eight things that need to happen for us to say to our to our kids, your kids are going to, or your school campus is going to be safe. Yeah. I mean, it that is one thing. And that's, it's one thing to say, you know, uh, our school resource officer is armed. Some of them aren't, but our school resource officer is armed and knows what to do in the event of a situation like that. I mean, there was a resource officer who was on campus at the time of the shooting on Wednesday and never, never laid eyes on the shooter. I mean, in the six minutes that the, the bullets were going, that officer never had an opportunity to come face to face and confront this guy. And then by the time it was over, we now know that he was able to sort of blend in with the rest, rest of the students and run off campus and get away. So it's not a guarantee. It's one of many things that would need to happen. But we're standing by again for this news conference from uh, L.A. County Sheriff Jim McDonald about this latest school shooting plot that was apparently stopped near Whittier last week. Chris Carlo was there, so we'll have an opportunity to hear from him a little bit later in the show as well. And we'll bring that to you when it comes down. Gary and Shannon will continue. <laughs> Gary and Shannon on this uh, Wednesday, a little bit later, Petros Papadakis is going to join us. We're going to be talking about uh, the latest episode of The Bachelor and what you watch in Wednesday when we get into what goes on on a little television stuff. Um, the president is expected to hold a listening session at the White House today 
with survivors of school shootings and and some teachers, administrators, parents, etc. from a few different school shootings. That's going to happen in the 1 o'clock hour our time, so we're going to hear at least part of that. We're going to dip into that. And also, um, the big news was that was that uh, Billy Graham died over the uh, overnight at the age of 99. Um, in the context of our school shooting stories, uh, the one out of Parkland, Florida, the 19-year-old kid who's accused of doing it, 19-year-old young man, sorry, who's accused of doing it. Oh, let's go live to this uh, news conference. Continue to be with the families and first responders. And this Parkland, is L.A. Florida. County Sheriff and Jim McDonald so many other talking about a plot America. at a high school this near school Whittier. This massacre is now the eighth deadliest shooting in the United States history. The issue of violent threats on school campuses is something that we take very seriously. In 2017, our Criminal Intelligence Bureau received 52 tips and leads involving school-related threats. All of these were triaged, evaluated, and addressed. Those numbers don't reflect uh, actual reported crimes. The, the leads contain raw reporting that may or may not have resulted in an arrest or a reported crime. 17 of these threats involved students at community colleges that were thoroughly evaluated and monitored uh, through a collaborative effort between Community College Bureau of the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, our Criminal Intelligence Bureau, the Department of Mental Health for the county, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Since February 14th, there have been 19 reported leads to the Criminal Intelligence Bureau in L.A. County, two received just last evening. Ten of these have been triaged and assessed or are currently, currently being assessed. The remaining were passed on for criminal investigation to the respect. Uh, respective unit or agency that's appropriate to handle those. L.A. County in Sheriff January, Jim McDonald is speaking right now. There was a, a threat at El Camino uh, High School near Whittier that was interrupted on Friday. Those. He's bringing in us some of the details. This year, school-related leads have increased significantly as compared to 2017. One would hope that after the carnage and grief we just witnessed in Parkland, Florida, there would be a pause in threats against our students. For our Norwalk Station deputies and several of our other stations, this has not been the case. Joining me today are Elaine Williams, the Chief of School Safety for Norwalk La Mirada Unified School District, Security Officer Marino Chavez of the Norwalk La Mirada Unified School District, Captain Jim Tatro, our Captain of Norwalk Station and his team, uh, Deputy Scott Reynal and Deputy Martin Maciel, the arresting deputies in this case. Just two days after 17 people were killed in the Florida school shooting, Security Officer Marino Chavez, who works at El Camino High School uh, in the unincorporated area of Whittier, overheard a 17-year-old student say that he was going to shoot up the school sometime in the next three weeks. Thanks to the outreach efforts of our Norwalk station, Mr. Chavez and our deputies worked together to assess the situation. Deputies learned that the 17-year-old had an extensive discipline history at the school. They also learned that a Smith & Wesson semi-automatic weapon was registered to his home address. Norwalk Station detectives authored and served a search warrant at the subject's address in Norwalk. At that location, they found two AR-15 rifles, two handguns, and 90 high-capacity magazines. The 17-year-old's brother, who was 28 years of age, Daniel Barsenis, an Army veteran, claimed the guns belonged to him. One AR-15 was registered to him, and one AR-15 is unregistered, which in California is a felony. The 17-year-old was arrested 
for making criminal threats. His brother was arrested last night on five criminal charges, including possession of an assault weapon, import of high-capacity magazines, criminal storage of firearms, and a failure to register a personal handgun. Possession of an assault weapon and a thumbhole stocked, uh, among other charges. This is the second serious threat at El Camino High School in just the last week. The day before, on February 15th, a student who was suspended for using his cell phone in class told his mother he wanted the school administrator dead. The mother told the school he has anger issues and I don't know what he's capable of. Her son was detained. The house searched for weapons. However, none were found. Just since February the 14th shooting in Florida, our department has dealt with 19 threats of violence targeting schools, school administrators, or students. Out of these, there was a case of a 10-year-old who was upset that his teacher changed his classroom seat, and he said he was going to get a rifle and shoot up the town carnival. In another case, a 12-year-old said he was going to do a Florida-style shooting because his teacher took his Oreo cookies away. Three cases involving students joking about planning a school shooting, and two involved juveniles either undergoing mental health assessment or being hospitalized as a threat to themselves or others. Some cases involve students making threats and posting photos of their parents' guns on social media. Parents, this should be a wake-up call. For L.A. County us. Sheriff Jim McDonald telling us about else will. Please take that, that on. We owe the students, parents, and teachers, and school resource officers who are providing tips and leads our gratitude for reporting these incidents. We currently have 38 school resource deputies contracted to 18 school districts within the L.A. County Sheriff's Department jurisdiction. We could use a whole lot more. In a discussion with the Board of Supervisors a year ago, some people felt that it was not appropriate to have deputy sheriffs on campus. I think I, I disagree with that, and I think that this case proves out the need to be able to have resources where they ultimately can do some good. Thanks to the public tip, public's tips, our community college bureau's heat team, which is higher education assessment team, received 141 referrals, out of which 13 turned into active open cases. So far, the heat team has six open cases just this year in 2018. Let me introduce now our next speaker, Elaine Williams, the Chief of School Safety for the Norwalk La Mirada Unified School District. Elaine, thank you. You're listening to KFI and KOST HD2 Los Angeles. Good day. Uh, first, thank you for being here and taking the interest on this, con on this conversation, ongoing conversation about school safety and the safety in our schools. Outreach to the community is very important. The community is responsible for raising our children. Uh, as we say, it takes a village. And it's important that the community uh, report things that are heard or seen that are out of the ordinary or that can cause a potential threat to our schools. We want, we want to thank everyone here because it's an important topic in, in regards to school safety. It's also important for our districts, school districts, that partner with law enforcement because we have a good rapport with law enforcement and we have a, a, a great way to resolve situations before they become very out, norm, uh, out, of, out of control. Um, I'm very fortunate for the district that I work in that we've partnered with the Sheriff's Department probably longer than I have worked there, 25 years. But it's a great relationship, and also we're thankful to have not just the school safety officers, but public safety within our cities, Norwalk and La Mirada, along with our school deputies 
and additional deputies that respond to our schools when we need them. It's important that if you see something and we're urging all, I would like to uh, reiterate, we want all to report anything that is seen out of the ordinary, that doesn't sound right, it's okay. We rather err on the side of safety. Our children are important. And I thank you today. Now I'd like to introduce Mario Chavez, a security officer with the uh, Norwalk La Mirada Unified School District. Hello, my name is Marino Chavez, and I'm a school safety officer with Norwalk La Mirada. Spelling is uh, my name is M-A-R-I-N-O. I'd like to thank the media for their concern about school safety issues. Early reporting is important in the incident at El Camino High School. I felt the important to immediately contact the sheriff's department. There was a swift action that could possibly prevent another tragic event. It is important to have trust in law enforcement because they have only respond to these type of incidents when reported. People who know most of these uh, dangerous individuals Maybe family, friends, students do not, who do not report these incidents because they do not want to get involved or do not want the person arrested. But the Sheriff's Department could only respond if they are told. Thank you. Any yes. Well, it was after this uh, lunch break and students were going back to class, I overheard him mention the threat, went up to talk to him to confirm what, exactly what I heard, and then I got administration involved, and we discussed it all together, and he confirmed what I had heard, the threat. That within three weeks, there would be a school shooting on campus. Well, sir, no point did he ever say, oh, I was just kidding, or I was just angry. He actually meant it. No, he did say that he was just kidding, that he did not mean it. I said, well, you can't say those things on a school campus. Uh, not this student personally, no, I've never have talked to him before. Well, I, I questioned him and brought him to the office. Then when he confirmed what he had said, then I got the sheriff involved, and they took over after that. No, he did not. I checked him. He didn't have any weapons at all. He was angry with the teacher's uh, issue about his cell phone in class, and uh, he was not allowed to go to the to her class the next day. So he was supposed to go to the office. I'm sorry, cell phone or earphones? Earphones. Okay. And the cell Yes. Sí, claro. Yeah, all right, we're listening to uh, the uh, one of the school resource officers, it sounds like, from uh, El Camino High School, sort of in the South Whittier area. And Sheriff Jim McDonald from uh, from L.A. County uh, laid out basically what it was after this threat, after this kid had made this threat. They checked in his house, and they found two AR-15s and a couple of handguns that belonged to the guy's older brother. 19-year-old Army veteran claimed to own them. The brother... 
one of the AR-15s was registered to the older brother, but the other was not, so the brother got arrested. Yeah, that's a felony to have an AR-15 not registered in the state of California. So he was arrested on an assault weapons charge. I don't know specifically exactly how it pans out, but also uh, a charge of importing high-capacity magazines, which are illegal in California, and then a specialized stock that he referred to. Uh, apparently on that weapon that you cannot have here in the state of California. And amazing, we've said this before, in the context of these school threats that have come in over the last several days, that Sheriff McDonald said just since Wednesday, since the the shooting at Stoneman uh, uh, Douglas High School there in Florida, they've already responded to 19 threats. 19 threats to schools, students, or teachers, including a 10-year-old who was upset that his seat was moved in the classroom, who, who threatened to shoot up the school. A 12-year-old who was upset because his Oreo cookies were taken away from him. And the only question that just overtook my mind was, are kids desensitized to violence now? Absolutely. When they say things like, I'm going to shoot up the school to them, is that like a game? Is that yes. a, a video game? Yes. They don't understand what vi- that's terrifying. They don't get it. They, they think don't it's understand. It's like this simple thing. Like, the, uh, oh, okay, it happens. Well, I'm I'm going to shoot up my school because that guy in Florida, it, like, it's a thing. It, like, it's a thing. Well, they they know it's a they know it's a threat. Let me try to figure this out. Uh, they know it's going to get attention. How's that? And if they had just said something like they were upset about the teacher taking well, my then it, Oreos, it, it should get them attention. It well, should get the them the, the kind of attention that includes a, a deputy that Sheriff McDonald wants on those campuses. Get them some face-to-face time with that deputy. Hey, get them scared silly. Kid makes a threat. Kid makes half a threat. Absolutely, you get a deputy in their face is this and you t- tell them what's going down. Is this time? Is this like back when we were kids and Mad started coming into the schools to show the wrecked cars from drunk driving and how people were killed? Teenagers would be killed in the same wrecks and go through the timeline and everything and relive that to show what drunk driving can no. do. Do these kids need to be shown what shooting no, people can I do? I don't think that would work because they see it every day. Oh, my they, they gosh. They see it in video games every single day. They, they're they taught. A lot of these boys are taught to hunt and to, to that that the more gore and the more violence that you see, the higher score you rack up. Right. And no one's checking this. Like, there's no one... Who, the, the parents who are walking around with their heads in the clouds or under the, the dirt saying that my kid can play this game or watch this movie and it's not going to have any impact, they're being idiots. And yeah. I have zero problem. Call- I've, had, I've had conversations with friends about, yeah. oh, you know, it's no big deal if my son. It is a gigantic deal if your son plays those games. Well, and that's the thing. You know, you get those adrenaline hits from playing Call of Duty or whatever. And don't don't come after me for dropping Call of Duty. But I've watched like five minutes of it, and it's a freaking war game, right? And you know, and you do, and it, but it's it's like a sanitized version of war, right? Because nothing's going to happen to you. But you can see kids getting those dopamine hits and the adrenaline hits from playing those games and getting the kills or whatever. And yeah. it's just it's it's, just, it's really not a good thing to get into your brain chemistry. And I know that. Probably the NRA d- disagrees. They love that kind of stuff, right? Because it gets people addicted to those kinds of weapons and, th- and that, those dopamine hits. But, you know, and I know it's an old argument, 
bitching about video games, but it's true. Well, it's not. It doesn't have to be just about video games. I mean, there. I said no, this it yesterday. Could be it could about be, uh, television programming, television programming, movies that are you know excessively violent with no repercussions for that violence. I mean, there's there's plenty out there that you could argue about, but it's it it boils down to the the level of involvement that the parents have in what it is that their kids are doing. And I again. I, I make no apologies for me being up all in my kids' business and restricting the things that are available to them. Zero, pro- I have zero problem defending my position. Some kids are bad kids. Some kids are bad seeds, and you as a parent have no control over that. Right. You won the the kid lottery. Uh, so far, you have great I hope kids. so. And part of that is who they are, right? The their. Uh, you know who they are individually, but a large part of that is true. It's how you guys parented. Parenting's hard. Being in your kids' junk and your in the stuff hard. Yeah, because you're gonna hurt their feelings. It's easy to let them play the video games. It's easy to not hurt their feelings. It's one of the reasons I don't want to do it. It's freaking difficult. It, it is it is sundown suns. It is excruciatingly exhausting. And a lot of people just don't want to do it. And it's easier for the kids to go play the video games. It's, it's frustrating. Or watch on the screen. Because I know that there are things. I mean, this kid, for example, he's at a continuation high school. Uh, this kid in Whittier, South Whittier. So uh, we can make assumptions about kids in continuation high schools. Where were the parents in the first place? What, what has prompted this kid to get into a continuation high school? It's not something you choose to do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Something happened and has happened to this kid on a continuing basis. Whether it's learning disabilities or behavioral parents problems. Probably parents probably are It's probably a one-parent household, maybe. I don't know. Just to, yeah, just it, to it, There's a lot of kids that do not have the benefit of great parents. And then, and then throw in um, some emotional problems, and that's what happens. So what do we do then? I just, I just I don't know why the conversation always has to go to um, uh, this idea that it's, it's somehow society's fault for, for these kids putting – these kids behaving the way that they do. This, you go down to a macro level. It's your – it's Absolutely. my responsibility as a parent. Yes. Mine. I, I put babies in my wife, and the babies came out, and they, I raised them. You're going to have to apologize for that later. I probably <laughs> – but, but it's my responsibility how they act. Yes, there are times when – I can't control it. Some brain wiring goes crazy from the beginning, and I have no control over it. But I have to make sure that if that's the case, regardless of of what's going on in my kid's brain, I have to provide them with a series of of rules, a set of guidelines, and probably most importantly, an example of how to deal with anger, how to deal with frustration, how to deal with emotional times. How to deal with the ups and downs. It's one of the reasons why I've always believed that you should have to take a test to have a baby. You know, you have to take a test to to drive a car, but you don't have to be cleared to raise a human. You know, there's a lot of people that aren't into all of those things that you just listed that have tons of kids. They don't care. (laughs) It's It's frustrating. Well, this is the uh, this is the story that uh, I think is going to dominate for weeks uh, and probably should. I mean, the, the the lawmakers in Florida got an earful last night and this morning from these kids who bust up from Parkland and uh, told them what it is that they believe. 
And a lot of them uh, were incredibly eloquent um, for being high school seniors and being in the high school improv slash theater group. The thing that still frustrates me, and you heard from the school safety person that uh, Jim McDonnell introduced in that press conference out of Whittier, she says, you know, people need to report things they feel could be a danger to schools, see something, say something, want everyone to report error on the side of safety. And I get it, and I want that to still happen. The thing that keeps frustrating me about the case in Florida is – that was all done. Everyone saw something. Everyone said something. And yet this kid had no no uh, interference with, with law enforcement. Yeah. That's odd to me. And he wasn't a kid anymore. This isn't a 13 or 14-year-old that threatened to shoot up the school over Oreos. This is a 19-year-old who you knew was going to be a serious issue. If the school was so scared of this 19-year-old that it said, hey, Let's look out for this kid that used to go here. We expelled him, but he's not allowed on campus and certainly not with a backpack. If it was so severe, if they thought he was such a threat that they circulated that memo in the last school year, why didn't they call law enforcement and say, hey, heads up? Or if they did, how come it wasn't acted upon? I mean, and you can't you can't pick somebody up because you're afraid of them. No, but a, con- but, a face-to-face conversation is all I'm asking for. And, and it sounds with law like enforcement. Th- so law enforcement with somebody with a you know mental health degree standing right next to them, helping diagnose this kid if there's been this ongoing problem. Yeah. It's one of those things that you can't. I mean, we get to say in hindsight that that they all of this should have been done. But it seems over and over again, the deeper we get into the story about this kid, that there were m- these multiple instances where some connection should have been made. Some dots yes. should have been put together to show that the full picture of who this kid was. We need a comprehensive database is what we need. Something that the FBI, local law enforcement, mental health officials, school officials, some way to connect these dots. Yeah. Welcome back. Oh, thank you. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the Senate investigation into Tony Mendoza. Remember, he's the one suing the state Senate because they're racist. Um, I don't know if he knows where he is serving right now. It's the state of California. Gary anyway, and Shannon. All that stuff. KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, did you see that Russian figure skater last night? The 15-year-old? She did a routine to Black Swan. Incredible. No. Yes. I saw the one, or I caught a little bit of the ACDC. I don't remember who she was. I think she was from Hungary. I saw our girl, uh, I want to say her name's Trinell. She's Yes, Tanel. Tanel. Yeah, she was in first first place when I saw her. I saw her fall and she does not fall and she was just i felt so bad for her because she falls and it was the very beginning of the program conspiracy and the look on her face like how you keep skating after you knew you just blew it with one shot just sucks but yeah check out that uh 15 year old russian alina is her name uh and black swan was routine it's incredible a little bit later next hour we're going to be joined by jim ryan who is in tallahassee one of the uh one of the issues that has sprung out of the school shooting from last wednesday was the students who have become uh a a force to be reckoned with i think is probably the best way to put it on um 
buses, they showed up late last night into Tallahassee and spent the night getting ready for their meetings with lawmakers, with elected officials, with appointed officials, and uh, spent some time there. So Jim's going to talk to us about what it is that they're doing and what they're asking for. Well, the state Senate has determined that State Senator Tony Mendoza more likely than not behaved in a flirtatious or sexually suggestive manner towards staffers, according to a Senate investigation. I'm going to pull the car over here. Go ahead. Please don't poison yourself while you do, but go ahead. This is a four-page summary report, all right? It was put together after allegations that Mendoza was behaving not gentlemanly, all right? They had two outside law firms come in to investigate these allegations. Are they racist also? No. Okay. I don't know. But two outside law firms spent weeks investigating investigating this guy and his grabassery. How much did we as taxpayers pay for that to be done? I'm sure it wasn't cheap, and I'd like to see how much it was. Two law firms to investigate whether this guy was grab-assy? I don't It seems like there are some very simple... What are we um, doing here? (laughs) I have no idea. There would be some simple fixes to some of this stuff. And uh, that, of course, in the state legislature, they're not going to find the easy ways to deal with No, they're going to spend as much money as they possibly can to do nothing, which is exactly what this was. Six women said they personally experienced unwanted, flirtatious, or sexually suggestive behavior by him. Four of the women were working as staff members, interns, or fellows. Why isn't it just like, hey, a bunch of girls report what happened and he gets canned? Why can't we do that? Why do we have to spend a bunch of money on law firms to come in and detail everything? You have to do a tiny bit of due diligence. You have to make sure that this isn't some sort of a conspiracy against Tony Mendoza. uh, But that's clearly early – sorry, that's clearly established early on – when there's no connection between these women other than the fact that they worked for or worked with or alongside or underneath Tony Mendoza at some time. That's clear. That I mean, that should be something that's that springs out very, very quickly. Now, the thing about Tony Mendoza is that he's accused of acting inappropriately with these women, in some cases offering alcohol to underage women while at his apartment or whatever it is. They all said that that they were not explicitly threatened by him. So it wasn't to the point of, you know, on that continuum of sexual harassment slash sexual impropriety that we've been working on. It doesn't rise to the level of if you don't do this, I'm going to ruin your career. Right. But these women all said that they felt like complaining about his behavior would, in fact, harm their careers, which is the whole power aspect of this whole thing, which is which plays into the. The arguments as far back as Harvey Weinstein, they were worried that if they said anything, they would never be cast in a, a Weinstein movie or they'll never work in this town again. And you don't want to be seen as a problem, somebody that's going to be a liability. Right, right. So remember, the report did not substantiate claims that there were three former staffers that were terminated from their positions because they raised concerns. But they said it was more likely than not that the employees were fired for reasons unrelated to any complaint of sexual harassment. So he did get off the hook on a few of those allegations. Senate is now weighing whether to punish him or not. Yes. Can I, why do we have to, why are they weighing? The answer is yes. Do you kick him out of the state Senate? Well, you guys figure that out. I mean, I don't know if it rises to that level. I would assume on, from what I know about it. Yeah, he's done. Goodbye. Have fun at whatever law firm is going to hire you from now on. But at this point, you don't get to do this in Sacramento. 
But uh, why are they weighing? Gosh, I, I don't know what to do about Tony. It's unfortunate that Tony Mendoza and Christina Garcia, the two uh, grab assery people, uh, represent Southern California, isn't it? A specific. I think they're. Don't they? More than ninety-four uh, percent of Garcia's district lies within Mendoza's state Senate boundaries. <laughs> they come from the same area. The overlap between them, um, let's see, Downey, Cerritos, Pico Rivera, if they're gone, uh, which they are, I mean, at least a, a paid leave right now or unpaid leave, 440,000 people in the state without representation. They've taken different approaches to their leaves of absence. Mendoza has continued to make public appearances, draft legislation. Uh, Garcia has canceled appearances, including planned opening remarks at the Environmental Health Symposium. She has stopped introducing bills. She's denied the groping allegations, by the way. But she has not denied the uh, drinking on the job, the, the kegerator in the office. How is she going to remember groping anyone if she's uh, chugging mimosas well, that, at 9 a.m.? That was my favorite and... part about her statement was, I don't recall these incidents. Right. Well, of course not. Of course you don't. You're, Does Gary you're recall for... bum-rushing the stage when Justin was doing his stand-up? Yes. No? Yes. Does Gary remember dancing with the spices at my home? Yes. No? Yes. Why didn't Shannon record any of this? It happens so fast. Uh, and the thing with the spices was so disturbing. Yeah. Like that was You it, both yeah. saw it. It wasn't bad. It was like a party setting. There was a lot of people there. There weren't that many people left, I don't think. Well, I can I never choose get my that audiences image. carefully. Right. <laughs> I can never get that image. You out weren't of my head. seriously dancing with the spices. You were doing it to be funny, and it was funny. Right? It wasn't like, I really want to dance with the spices, was I it? I will go the distance for the joke. Exactly. Got to learn. All right, coming back. Petro's going to join us. Get in uh, the latest on the hometown dates in The Is Bachelor. Is he here? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. No, he's we'll probably see. still washing off his yoga sweat. Gary and Shannon will continue. The following program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. Gary and Shannon. This is the worst season of The Bachelor I've ever laid my eyes on. I think it's... Uh, I can't get on board with Ari. This this episode was one that I actually sat down and my wife and I and daughter, the three of us, we watched from beginning to end. You know why I enjoyed this one is because it included other people that are not Ari or these girls. Yes. It included real family members, people with something to say. People with, who didn't, with didn't look like they had watermelon behind their eyes. I don't get that. Just fruit back there. There's no oh, there's no gray matter. There's nothing. Ah, nothing now, just watermelon. It. I was like, why? Are they at a spa? Petros <laughs> Papadakis. Hey, what's cracking, everybody? I agree with you there, uh, Shannon. I don't like it. I don't like Ari. I don't like his dead tone. I don't like that everybody's on Xanax. I do disagree with you guys about the other family members. The hometown dates are really the saddest, kind of most desperate week of the year in the bachelor fiscal year <laughs> and uh and that's because these people don't want to be on tv yeah no and you They're can tell that the producers does. have gone in and uh hung wall sconces at some of the places oh they put up some sconce oh yeah 
Definitely. I saw two wall sconces that were not there pre-bachelor pr- production crew. Ooh, there was also, they took a, there was one, I don't remember whose family it was, on the piano, uh, th- there was a, a verse from a hymn that was mm. like, so sings my soul or sing then my soul mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. They put an awkwardly placed picture in front of the word soul so you didn't have to see it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Anyway, here is the uh, here is the overall premise. Just so you guys know what right. Shannon and I are talking about. I guess Gary likes this guy. I don't know. No, 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 no. No, what? no, I can tell you're into him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here, here, here's his dead tone. And here he is describing. I mean, look, we all know that he's got to do all kinds of stupid describing just to link the show narration-wise. But could it be just with with some feeling? Listen to this. Hold on one second. Listen to this. Clip one. This has been such an amazing journey so far. It's crazy to think that we started with 29 women, and now there's four women left. One of these women is going to be my wife. There you go. One of these women. He has no excitement about him. He... None of these women, by the way, will say yes to him. I don't think I, any of them will say yes to this. Oh, yeah, they will. They yeah. all will. They all want to be in. Not the blonde. Uh, not the blonde of the, of the, the twins. The taxidermist. She, she doesn't want to get married. She's not ready for marriage. Well, she has, she, she's a 25-year-old free spirit. She, there's some interesting things about her and the reanimation of dead flesh, which is interesting. Terrifying. But let's start with uh, Tia's brother. Uh, he now, now, I read this like he's kind of... Like, he's kind of excited. Like, he wants a piece of... Uh, of Ari? Of Ari. Well, that, that's funny you say that, Petros, because when I'm watching the scene with the brother, I'm thinking to myself, this is excited as I've seen Ari get, because I firmly believe he's not committed to liking girls. Yeah. And he looked at uh, the, the girl's brother like he was a piece of sirloin. Ooh. Well, listen to this, if this doesn't seem a little deliverance-esque to you guys. I heard some things about, you know, like maybe a little bit of Playboy, you know. The rumors are out there, you know, the kissing bandit. Is that something that I have to look forward to? Mm-hmm. How can you prove to me tonight that that's yeah. not who you are? Mm. Would you kiss me, Ari? Yeah. Do you, does my mouth look pretty to you? <laughs> yeah, I just thought about that one politician in the stall putting his foot over, you know, mm. on the other side. Just to see what that dude is to. <laughs> Totally. That what was, was that kinda, guy's name? That's kind of how that sounded to me, you know? Yeah, dipping the toe. Yeah. Just seeing if there's any uh, bites. You ever, <laughs> you ever uh, been to a Turkish bath? You ever? No. Oh. I'm a Greek. Ah. Well, Although you guys, have, you guys have a history once. of some strange stuff, too. Well, well, I, how dare you? Look, we're not the people that invented. Uh, we, we, we're just the first people to write it down. You know, the oh, Greeks used to do the Olympics in the nude. Yes, you're right. And the women weren't allowed to be there. They had to watch in the trees, and the men would get all oiled up and get after each other in a mm. series of events that were athletic but also revealed virtue. Mm. But let me tell you this, my friends. These guys, these two guys right here. Yeah. They're going to end up together. I couldn't agree more. It was the first time I saw a sparkle in Ari's eye. Well, here's a mom. Here's a rational person. Now, now listen to, I, I think this is uh, Becca. Uh, listen to her pleading with the mom. And then the mom with a very open answer about accepting a proposal. 
So the next time you could potentially see me, like it could be an engagement and a proposal. And I um, told him coming into this, if you were to ask for anyone's approval, it would be my mom's because obviously I don't have dad here. And I mean, like, would you feel ready if he did that? No. Yeah. I think there Someone are a lot of parents. Common sense. I think there are a lot of parents calling out BS on this on this this season of hometowns. Well, my thing is is like, why are these people acting like the Bachelor is in its embryonic stage or something? Like they don't know the premise of the show. Uh, I mean, the show's been on for like twenty five yeah, years. Ma- maybe now just... parents are revolting. They've had enough of the Bachelor, and uh, they say, "Not this season. Not with my daughter. I well, will not give not. you my blessing." my daughter. Right. Uh, I I do think that people are acting like it's Joe Millionaire, like Fantasy Island. Like, what are the rules? Like, listen to Lauren's mom grilling Ari about how he feels about her. And aren't there other girls? It's like, yes, there's other girls. Idiot. I'm the bad I'm falling in love with her. Really? Yeah. But what about these other people? How are you handling that? Uh, I feel like that's the difficult part about all this, is just to really... Be open enough to allow some other relationships to build. So you're not compartmentalizing each of these remaining relationships. I am. You I mean, are. I, yeah. I mean, that kind of worries me. You have to in a little way, because if you don't, you don't allow yourself to really make a, a clear decision. Uh, my favorite part, I don't know if it was that mom or another mom who said something like, are you saying this to all of the families? And the answer should have been, yes. oh, absolutely. I'm reading off of a script, and it's exactly the same thing I told her family and her family and her family. But instead he said, oh, no, 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 this is all different. No, I say totally different things. Yeah. But, you know, hey, look, let's not, let's not insult the contestants by claiming equal love, right? Let's just keep these different situations as that mother so – Xanax-like put, uh, compartmentalized. That house was a house full of of zero personality. I like the dad, though. (laughs) I love uh, how you look at these people's decorations and just judge the crap out of them. It's their worst nightmare. What are you talking about? I don't judge them. I can just tell how how it's done when the producers come out and, and the mom and the dad go, "Oh, we don't want our house to be filmed. We don't, you know, we don't, you know, we're we're not into decorating." And the producers, "Don't worry, we'll make your house look great. We're going to put up a sconce, you know, and, and that's totally what goes we're down." Sconce it up, right? Uh, I, I, you think the Swami dad from a couple years ago let him put up a squon- a sconce? No, because that was not a house for a sconce. You have to know when a when a wall needs a sconce, P. I got to know when to sconce it up. That's right. Sconce it up. Uh, all right. Finally, Ari said goodbye to Tia, who is the mm. uh, the Southern Belle with the latently gay brother. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and here, listen to. I would rather honestly be comforted by Vladimir Putin. Oh. I mean, this is just. There is just. This guy is just vapid. Uh, here we go. He <sighs> didn't do anything wrong. Hey, oh. <laughs> I was that overconfident that I think. Thanks. Too much. No, I just... Tell me something. You didn't do anything wrong. You are an incredible woman. I and hate him. I would be lucky to be with you. <laughs> I hate him so much. Uh, you didn't do anything wrong. So, hit that voice. Anybody would be lucky to be with you. I, I fast-forwarded through that. I liked I her why. the best. And I'm sad Tia? that she's gone. Yeah, I liked her too. She had personality. She's real. Don't mistake, I've done this so often in my life, do not mistake a terrible accent for personality. 
I wasn't here last week when he let Becca go, and I haven't checked in on your well-being about that. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. Excellent. I was upset. You know, I'm starting to eat again. Hey, okay. when when do they meet his family? We already met him. Uh, Crystal met him. So I guess they're going to swoop in. Next week is the women tell-all. Uh, then uh, I guess her family's coming. Uh, he, they're going to meet everybody, and they'll do the final rose, and then it's after the final rose. And then we're done with this horrible pride-swallowing oh, siege. All right, Petros, thank you so much. Good night. I Petros wonder who, the, uh, there with who the... the bachelorette's going to be. Oh, I hope it's Tia. Oh, that would be good. It would be a good Southern. Oh, uh, would be good. She's, she's cute. That's a good She's got ha- personality. That's a good and... call, Hoff. All right, when we come back, um, we're going to get into the uh, the real exorcist for Hollywood. Gary and Shannon will continue. Just like Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. The Daily Mail tracked down a woman who gets a lot of work in Hollywood. Her name is Rachel Stavis, and she is known as the Sister of Darkness. She's now going public with her extraordinary gift. Which she's is? Well, I'll get there. Oh. I'm, I'm trying to build up some drama. Oh, okay. She's a horror screenwriter, a novelist. A what kind of screenwriter? Horror. Okay. And now she's going public with her ability to be... An exorcist. Whoa. An exorcist to the stars. No. She's been working for years with Hollywood's elite, getting rid of their demons. She says she's cleansed thousands of tormented people from Hollywood moguls to actors and actresses to stay-at-home moms and politicians. (laughs) She's 39. She's never advertised her services, but word around Hollywood has spread. She said that as a child, she began to see monsters Monsters. floating around her bedroom or attached to other children. Oh. And she realized very quickly that she could see something that other people couldn't. Oscar, can we get her in to see if we've got monsters attached to us and then to exercise them? I will try. I'll I'll reach out to her. Do you need her to really tell you that? uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I feel like we've known each other our whole lives, Monica. You know what? I have the same feeling sometimes. (laughs) She she names and classifies all the demons she says she encounters from the most common and smallest of the entities, which she calls Clives, after Clive Barker, to the most dangerous (laughs) wraiths, she calls them, W-R-A-I-T-I-H. Wraiths. She says she caught night terrors. They cause physical injury. Rome walkers can shift from person to person. She says, listen, I don't ever, I don't know how this works, how I can see things and how that translates. I just, I'm trying to be down to earth. During the exorcism, she will shake a rattle whose head is inspired by the shamanic re- uh, tradition. She says it and other noisemakers agitate the energy in the room as part of the process of casting out the entities which have taken hold of the people who come to her. Um, she is apparently doing well. She owns a million two, a house worth a million two in Studio City. Oscar, I'm not paying this girl. I'm not going to pay for this. Let's just see if she'll come in and do it for free for right, the publicity. If the uh, holy water starts burning, though, it's you not have to Catholic to pay somebody through. to do it, right? Okay. She does say she's non-denominational. She says The Exorcist was not far from the truth, everyone. Um, the what movie. I, what I love is that she's she's 
at the time that they did this article, she was working on Megan Duffy. I don't know who that is. Nobody does. Oh. It says she is best known for starring alongside Elijah Wood in the 2012 horror movie classic Maniac. Was that a classic? Would we call it a classic? I don't think so. We're going to do all of what's trending. Also, Swamp Watch and a check on the Olympics coming up next hour. Gary and Shannon will continue after this. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. We are going to get an update from Florida coming up live from Tallahassee where a bunch of kids have gone to talk to their state legislators about gun control. Also coming up in the next hour, President Trump going to host a listening session with the same, with kids that were affected by that shooting in Florida one week ago. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. America's pastor has died. Reverend Billy Graham, 99 years old, long suffered from cancer, pneumonia, other ailments. Confidant to the presidents from Eisenhower to George W. Um. I said something early on that this guy was without controversy, and somebody uh, forwarded an article from 16 years ago referencing the Nixon tapes from 40-plus years ago. I'm going to say it again. For the most part, Billy Graham was without controversy. So, uh, and 99 years, that is a lengthy, lengthy life. One of the greatest stories uh, about uh, that is connected to Billy Graham was also the story of Louis Zamperini. Uh, if you remember, he came back from uh, having been a prisoner of war and having been lost at sea, et cetera, and talked about uh, going to a Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles. And uh, at that point, yeah, um, becoming a Christian and changing his life from that point. Oh, forward. my gosh. So, just got chills. No, it's a, it's Remind me of that story. Yeah. Uh, all right. We've got a Turpin couple, it looks like, in Arizona. Carol and Benito Gutierrez, they're in their 60s. They've been arrested on child abuse charges. They allegedly locked up their adopted children in rooms without food, water, or a bathroom. Isn't that lovely? Investigation began over the weekend when a boy who looked extremely disheveled asked to use the phone at a dollar store in Tucson. The store clerk saw something, said something, called 911. Good job. And when deputies responded to the boy's home, they found the four kids ages 6 to 12. Regularly kept in their locked rooms for up to 12 hours at a time without access to food, water, a bathroom, or lights. They were adopted kids, which is a strange thing. The Turpins obviously were biological. We believe they were all theirs. Um, but this is a, uh, a weird... That is weird. Strange. Uh, a weird story this morning. A 35-year-old man wanted on a rape charge uh, was uh, led police on a chase through Ventura this morning along the 101. And at one point, they try to pull him over... It goes about six miles, this chase does, and then the car just kind of comes to a stop up against the center divider in the left lane. Officers uh, eventually discover the man is dead inside and had died from poisoning himself. They, and they haven't said what the poison is or why they believe that he was poisoned, but that's got to be the weirdest end to a chase I think we've seen. I've never seen, seen it end in poison. No, we've seen suicides before, but those are usually by weapon of some kind. I've also never seen someone driving into a train tunnel to evade the police, which is what happened in a chase last night. 
Uh, the driver was taken into custody late Tuesday night when he came out of the tunnel. Uh, but they have not said what exactly happened to a woman, I guess, who was a passenger in a, the truck that went into the Metro Gold Line, trun- Gold Line Tunnel. Uh, during the chase, the driver T-boned a taxi, drove on a sidewalk, drove on the train tracks that led into the tunnel. A person in the taxi had to be taken to the hospital, but not uh, not life-threatening injuries. An embarrassing story out of the L.A. City Fire Department. L.A. City Fire Chief raising concerns about divisive workplace incidents among firefighters, talking about firefighters fighting over Colin Kaepernick and kneeling in the NFL protests. I'll just say this. Firefighters live together for a chunk of the week. They lived, They spend a lot more time with their coworkers than you or I. And if they're going to have a, a disagreement on something, it's probably going to be more uh, severe, more emotional than if you and your coworker got into it. What Chief Tarasa said his agency has experienced on-duty heated discussions regarding the perception of a lack of patriotism by NFL players. Don't we do this? Don't we in every workplace have discussions like this and still go about our day? Yes. What's so paralyzing about having a discussion at work? Well, I think that the NFL protest uh, debate was one of the most divisive. I'm not. Uh, yeah. Along it, with the 2016 election. I mean, it was pretty it was pretty bad. And you know what you need to do to get over your extremely emotional feelings is sit down and listen to the other side and listen to their extremely emotional feelings about it. And then and then you stop being so emotional because you see the other side of the coin. I wish we all had more feelings. No, you don't. You hate I, feelings. No, I really I find them very refreshing. When did you what happened to you? Are you poisoning yourself right now? I might be. <laughs> oh, and can we stop this, please? For God's sake. Stop suggesting that the kids from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School are paid actors. I haven't seen this anywhere on my feeds. Looking at it right here. I'll show this to you right here. Well, yeah, weird friend. Oh, isn't it the same kid on Channel 5? Listen, that's from Channel 2 in August, right? That's David Hogg. Uh That is him. Yeah. Visiting California for vacation. Okay. He moved from California to Florida in 2014 after his dad retired from the FBI, right? This is him. Uh, three days ago or whatever it can was. I, can I just ask you one thing? Yes. Why is this relevant in the overall Well, because they're, story? Saying, they're saying that he he's is... He's a, a gun actor, an actor, an that, actor that has been planted yes. by the gun control right. people. And that they, he's a, a tool for the FBI. Even if he and was that, an that actor? George Soros is bankrolling this whole thing. Even if he was an actor, he's uh, not the only kid speaking out, and it doesn't erase the fact of what happened in that high school. Uh, it just bothers me that people are, are so willing are to go gullible. They're so yeah. willing to go down this trail and suggest that this kid is an actor, and it's he knows. Listen, he knows he's not, and he said he's not, and his father has said he's not, which is exactly what they want you to believe. You can't go crazy just, with people that believe things. It bothers I mean, I got, me. The, I, got, I got a bunch of posts about Sylvester Stallone dying yesterday because pe- people he believe that. He what? He didn't die. But people believe those. Uh, anything but, they see online. But if the Internet And they share it. What, if it. what if you say something on the Internet and it comes true? No, that's not how it works. Then you call that exorcist woman and she'll take care of it. Oh, maybe that's what we need to Oscar, do. any movement on the exorcist? Did we uh, reach out yet? Not yet. Mm. We'll get, this is it. like number one priority. 
Well, he didn't, he didn't even the, flinch at that. You, gotta, you, you, <laughs> you told him to jump, and he said, yawn. I know. Those demons are uh, really causing a problem for you, huh? Oscar, you're fired. Uh, <laughs> United States women have won our first ever Olympic cross-country medal. We'll talk about that and some other Olympic stuff when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Gitova is a Russian skater, 15 years old, that I thought really wowed last night. She got, like, the highest score or something. Oscar said the, the Russian skaters, they put all the tricks and the fun stuff in the second half of the program, so they get bonus points for them. I yeah, they get a 10% it. bonus. She was so, I mean, she was the black swan. She was so, I love the choreography. It was excellent. He was the black. If swan. you want to do like two minutes of procrastination today at your work day, only two. Check that out. Well, it's worth two minutes of procrastination. Is that how long the short programs are? Two minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm ballparking here, and in time. It. I'm just curious. I don't know. They're doing um, team pursuit stuff. The uh, the ice speed skating mm. team pursuit. Those guys, first of all, they got to be very friendly. Is that a two piece or a one piece? That is a one piece. How do you pee in there? No. You don't pee? No. Well, I would imagine the race itself is, you know, uh, on the outside, it's 10 minutes long. Okay, you got to be hydrated, though. Super hydrated, right? A lot of water. Yeah. And then, oh, there's a zipper down the front. I guess you could zip it all the way down and then just. And then just. They'll also do uh, curling a little bit later. I think the United States is taking on Sweden. Um, When's the women's hockey situation happening? Well, I believe. I believe they're playing right now, uh, or maybe that's tomorrow. But uh, Team USA and Canada renew their rivalry in the hockey gold medal games. The men are out. The men's hockey. the men. Yeah, the men lost to the Czechs yesterday in a shootout in the quarterfinals. That wasn't a huge surprise because the NHL is not allowing American. They're not allowing people to uh, to play in the Olympics. They didn't take time off, so we're playing with uh, kids who are 21 and under and over 40. Is basically the roster for the American men's hockey team. So you have a lot of retired NHL players. Did I say NFL? NHL players and uh, college kids who are playing. It but. looks like the women play at eleven ten Eastern tonight. 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 That would be pretty cool. Watch that game. Very cool. Um. The, 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 I guess it depends on which uh, channel it is that you're watching to get all this stuff. Lindsey Vaughn was uh, third in her last Olympic downhill. Did you see her crying? No. Oh, they did an interview with her after, and the reporter, of course, went for the jugular like they're one to do. She asked Lindsey how it feels. It's going to be your last Olympics probably. And then yeah, Lindsey answers, and then the reporter says, Now, I know you lost your grandfather last fall. And you skied with his initials on your helmet. And then it was just breakdown. She was, I did she see was the, very sweet, though, in what she was saying. And, she was. And but, she's like, I don't know if I can hold out another four years. My body's not going to be able to handle it. I just think when the reporters do that, when it's right. so clear they're trying to make you cry <laughs> by talking about your dead grandfather. I loved it. Wouldn't you be upset? 
I mean, I would be upset at the reporter for. Come on, that's a that's. What would you say? No, she made she made it a big deal from the beginning that she was you know skiing in honor of him and everything. So it's not like out of line to ask about it. And and Mike Tirico did a great piece that I mean they've been sitting on this piece for months about Lindsay and her grandfather how important. I guess it was back in the summer. Mike Tirico visited her and her grandparents and, you know, did, did the basics for the interview and then put the package on last night. Yeah. Which is, of course, it's supposed to be the tearjerker. It made but, me cry a little bit. Um, can I? Can we talk about how great Mike Tirico is compared to Bob Costas? I and, love it. And I don't know if it's just a change. Like, it's it's nice to have something different, but he is he is easy to watch. He's easy to listen to. What didn't you like about Bob Costas? I don't know. It was I, it just he, he seemed like he was there's too much pretense. It's just getting stale, I think. It was is it his eye infection? It was that that <laughs> that made it uncomfortable. That was a hard Olympics to watch. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, Mike Tirico's just really straightforward with it and you know when he's and it's not uh you know play calling or anything, but he just you know what I clean, like about nice, him? Nice, clean reports. He doesn't make it about him either. Never, yeah. Which I love. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. Some of the funnier moments, though, are when he has, like, uh, Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir, and they're, they're they're doing really funny, silly stuff, and he tries to play a little bit. He comes off <laughs> yeah. a little awkward. <laughs> he's a little, just, little straight-laced yeah, for that. Yeah, just because it's too, uh, too straight-laced. But I, 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 he's doing a great job. Um, I didn't, I didn't like, speaking of Johnny Weir, the fact that he had no idea what ACDC was. One of the one of the skaters last night was doing a program to ACDC, a medley of ACDC. How is that a blind spot? And he, and he was like, "Ah, I just didn't even understand the words. You don't know the words to ACDC songs, Blake." Just, I need to ask a younger person because we grew up with ACDC. Yes. Yeah, ACDC. Would you recognize it if it came on? Yeah. Okay. You would be able to sing along at least. Yeah, and, at least and the, most of them. And the ones when I wouldn't know the words, I'd at least know like what grunty noises to make at the time. <laughs> what, I, I think, think maybe. Sorry, what did I walk into? We've yeah. done enough. We've <laughs> done enough flashback Fridays in the '80s for me to have it down pretty all right. Maybe at this point. Johnny Weir. Um, maybe he just doesn't like the lyrical song, the songs with lyrics. Maybe he just prefers them to be the old school instrumentals. But how do you not know it's ACDC? I don't know. And and to say that you don't know the lyrics, even my kids could sing half of the lyrics at Maybe least. Maybe if you grew up as a, a young gay man who was more into fashion than rock and roll, ACDC could, is a blind spot. I could see how he's more into Cher than ACDC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, you're upset about this? I, I don't know if I'm upset. I just think he was playing it up a little bit. And that was the one time I liked Terry Gannon. We just called him out for that. Oh, you? Oh, so you think he knows what ACDC is, and it was just being a, a yeah. I think he was being a diva about, about okay. the whole thing. Come on, Blake. See, that's all what? you need to know. At that point, you become an ACDC yeah. expert. That's all. A side note, if you guys want to see Alina Zagatova's routine, it is now posted on KFIM640.com. Keyword, Gary and Shannon. Blakey, oh, good job. We'll do you. Swamp Watch when we come back. Uh, Gary and Shannon will continue. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swap 
President Trump is going to be holding a listening session uh, coming up in the next hour with uh, with kids that are concerned about gun control. He has reportedly told associates that he doesn't think high school kids should be able to buy guns and is open to the idea of a minimum purchase age for 21. Like guns used in the uh, Florida shooting. It'll be interesting to see what what this conversation is like. Do you have a problem Um, with that? I don't think so. Um, If I can't have a, a drink until I'm 21... I mean, the the argument possibly is that when you're 18, you can join the military and uh, and they'll strap an uh, an M4 in your hand, but which is the you know the military equivalent, equivalent of yeah. AR-15. But um, I feel like you'd also get a lot of conversation about the people that move out at 18 and they aren't able to you know uh, protect their home. Yeah. I, don't know, I haven't really thought about that. I mean, that's that's one of the issues that I don't think I've spent a whole lot of time on. Raising the the age, the um, the president also yesterday ordered the Justice Department to write regulations that would ban bump stocks, among other things, uh, the ones that were made famous, I suppose, if that's the right word, infamous by the uh, the shooting in Las Vegas. And he said, "We can do more to protect our children. We must do to protect our more to protect our children." This is interesting to me. I want to know what he's going to say. I'm I'm very interested in what this conversation sounds like next hour, where he sits down, talks with students and teachers, et cetera, from uh, from different schools who have been the site or that have been the site of um, these school shootings. It's going to be a fight. If he is going to go rogue uh, with his party and the NRA and su- starts supporting gun control measures, that that is not going to sit well with House Republicans. No, but but one thing I don't hear from him that I would be curious to know about is what sort of conversations he's had with his own son about this, with Barron. I know he's in a private school. I know he's got Secret Service protection. I mean, that's not exactly the same thing, but an 11-year-old probably doesn't realize the level, the circles of security that he's got around him. He's They try to make it as, uh, as I guess, invisible to an 11-year-old as possible. But what do you tell an 11-year-old? You, I think when you have that level of wealth that the Trumps have had for their whole lives, it's a complete lack of perspective on real people. I don't think that the president thinks this could ever – I don't even think it would occur to him that it could happen at his son's school. It's just they live in a bubble. They live in a bubble of wealth and exclusivity, and I don't think he thinks this could ever happen in his real world – in his world. It, yeah, wouldn't, but, it wouldn't even occur to him. But what if his son came to him? And said something. That's I what I mean. That's... I don't know if his son would. I think the kids are 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 just like the adults in, in that set of people. And it's stuff that happens other places. Um, one of the uh, security issues that has been coming out of the White House is the uh, security clearances. If you remember the whole story about Rob Parker and whether or not he had sec- – Porter, sorry. And he had uh, security clearance after having – background checks that were stalled um, because of some domestic violence allegations. The White House chief of staff, John Kelly, put together a new policy, and some officials are expected to leave their posts as a result of this new policy because they would not have clearance. And others will continue working with either reduced clearance or no access to classified information. The question is, what does that mean for Jared Kushner, the son-in-law to the president? Because 
Dimples has had some issues. And one of the issues is that they have not signed off on his security clearance completely because of some financial issues that the FBI is still trying to get to the bottom of, some financial tanglements that he's got with international governments and international business people, whether or not he would be uh, subjected to blackmail if it ever came to that. So apparently Jared Kushner gets uh, – he does review the presidential daily brief each morning and has been in the room for some of the president's most uh, important domestic and foreign policy decisions – but is not working with a full security clearance that you would expect someone of that level to have. The president uh, has suggested today that the Obama administration be subject to federal investigation for its failure to stop the Russians from interfering in the election. Directing his followers on Twitter to ask Jeff Sessions why there's not an investigation underway. I didn't understand that when I read that. Is he suggesting that Jeff Sessions dropped the ball on this? I think so. I think I think what happened is he had a meeting or his underling had a meeting with Ses- Sessions or Sessions underling and like, "Hey, let's 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 get the Obama administration involved in this. Let's investigate why what they didn't do on their watch." And Sessions was like, "Yeah, that's not going to happen." And so the president was like so frustrated <laughs> with the no oh. that he goes to Twitter. Again going after Jeff Sessions. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of love lost between those two at this no. point. No, probably not. All right, uh, coming back, Jim Ryan is going to join us. We're going to be talking about not D.C., but Tallahassee, what's going on in the state capital in Florida, because hundreds of high school students, many of them from Parkland, Florida, showed up in Tallahassee last night to talk to state lawmakers about what they can do, if anything, about changing some of the gun laws that would uh, they think protect students. So we'll talk about that and what it is that they expect to get out of this uh, lengthy and expensive field trip that they're on. Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, big news locally coming out of the L.A. County Sheriff's Office. Sheriff Jim McDonald saying that a security officer overheard a 17-year-old kid at El Camino High in Whittier saying he was going to shoot up the school. Within the next three weeks, McDonald said the detectives went to the boys' home. They found two AR-15s, one registered to an older brother, one not. So the brother was arrested for that, uh, having a registered uh, assault rifle. They also found two handguns, 90 high-capacity magazines, some of which were loaded. Student had a history of discipline problems at the school, reportedly told that security officer he was kidding about the threat to shoot up the school, but the officer reported it anyway. Well, uh, we've been watching the results of the school shooting in Florida and the activism that has been undertaken by the students at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and what it is going to mean for the state of Florida and potentially for the rest of the country. They took a couple of buses, several of them, uh, were joined by hundreds of other school kids from around Tallahassee, as a matter of fact, at the state capitol. Jim Ryan is in Tallahassee and joins us with, uh, with more on this. The, the latest I saw, Jim, is that there were as many as 3,000 people out in front of the state capitol building? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good um, estimate, Gary, because they filled, I mean, they were all up and down the stairs of the capitol, and then they were out across the lawn. Finally, the capitol police decided to uh, shut down the street that runs there in front of the capitol building, and so they always shut down and, and filled up with people. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised, but what, there were um, several thousand, perhaps 3,000 people there in the street, mainly high school students, some college students uh, mixed in, and, and even some older people. I saw some retirees walking around holding signs, expressing 
expressing their view that uh, assault rifles should be banned. So were there speakers at this event? Any big yeah. names? Well, no, no, nothing. I don't think anybody you would know uh, nationally, but uh, there were a lot of uh, statewide uh, politicians. That the, in fact, the House member who proposed the ban yesterday, uh, it was voted down before it could even be debated or discussed. Um, he was there speaking, as were some other uh, uh, statewide luminaries, primarily guys who would like to see some restrictions on uh, on gun purchases here in Florida, Shannon. What is going to happen with these kids? I mean, do they have a what's the schedule for today? Well, they've been in meetings all day long. They had something like 70 meetings planned with members of the House and with the Senate to try to uh, talk about gun legislation. You know, I think they've gotten sort of a, a, a harsh and seeing how slowly this process can move. You know, a month left in the state legislative session here in Florida, that any huge changes are going to be made and, uh, you know, you know, we're having a problem with uh, Jim's connection there, catching uh, every other word. We'll try to establish a better line with him. Um, one of the uh, one of the stories that we're going to bring to you next hour is the president on his uh, listening session that's been scheduled for a few days now. And the suggestion, perhaps, that he has been not only supportive of or privately talking up new age limits on guns, but also the issue the memo that he issued yesterday towards the justice department to write up a regulation to ban bump stocks etc but also the specifics of bless you reducing the availability of guns to people who are mentally ill documented mental illnesses the nra by the way will be in the room the nra will have a spokeswoman there also bill nelson and uh marco rubio will be there as well that's at the cnn town hall that's oh, I'm sorry. No, that's right. But because we were talking about that as well, um, because they're I thought expecting... that was at the listening. Yeah, you're right. My bad. Uh, that, yeah, that's uh, at the town hall. In that case, in Sunrise, Florida, they're expecting, I think, 5000 people at that event, which will include some of the students from Parkland, but also those lawmakers as well. Uh, Jim Ryan is back. Uh, just a better connection. Jim, uh, we were talking about what it is that these uh, students have before them. Um, do you know, can you explain this whole story of the allegations that a couple of these kids are paid actors? Yes. Well, yeah, that started spreading around social media. I think it came from uh, the uh, the campaign or from uh, the uh, office of a current politician that was sent to a media outlet, that somebody saying that, hey, look, uh, this person is a, a, pay, a paid actor, isn't really a student there, et cetera. Uh, it drew an angry reaction from that particular politician who fired the staff member, uh, Senator Marco Rubio has lashed out and said that it's uh, disgraceful that somebody would make that allegation. And even today, it was a topic from some of the kids, the the kids from um, uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, who said that they couldn't believe that those allegations were being made after what they had been through. Got to be a frustrating thing for those kids yeah. to have to endure, considering what it is that they have been through. Uh, all yeah, right. Well, yeah. Jim, thank you. Thanks so much, Gary. Um, the... The listening session that we were talking about with the president, we're going to try to bring you some of those comments. The White House has said that they will have a microphone up and available to listen to at least the beginning of that conversation. So it'll be interesting to hear what has to be uh, what is going to be said. There are expected to be students from uh, from Parkland, Florida, uh, who were the victims, I guess you could say, of the shooting from last week, but also survivors from Sandy Hook Elementary School whether it's kids or parents there, teachers possibly, and then also from Columbine. 
the three, at least the high-profile ones that we think of when we talk about the issue of school shootings here in the United States. So we'll talk all about that, and we'll listen in on that. But we're going to start next hour with Dr. Wendy Walsh, uh, moving her up just a little bit so that we can make sure that we get to talk to her about all of what's been going on, including this issue of toxic masculinity. There was a comedian who, I guess you would say comedian, actor, who tweeted something on Sunday that said, deeper even than the gun problem is this, boys are broken. Well, that's an interesting take. So. Yes. You get very angry about this, which is why we've been meaning to talk about this for a couple of days now. Um, but you have a, a strong reaction to this. I think it's a miss. I, I think if you were to drill down on what this guy wrote, Michael Ian Black, there are some things that need to change with the way we handle boys. But I don't think it's what this guy believes. All right. I, I, I have a very different feeling than he does. Well, we will get into it coming up next. We'll bring a doctor in the room in case Gary has a case I have an episode. An episode, thank you. It's all next on Gary and Shannon. The doctor is in with Doctor Wendy Walsh. Gary and Shannon and Doctor Wendy Walsh. Why don't we get to poor bubbly? That is an excellent question because okay. it's in like <laughs> the intro. <laughs> and therefore, yes. it should every Wednesday should yes. be a new chilled bottle waiting. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dr. Wendy Walsh has joined us. We, uh, just as a precursor to this, we're going to stand by and wait for what's going on at the White House. The president is holding a listening session with students and parents and teachers. So when that happens, we'll bring at least the beginning of that to you live to to listen in on what this listening session is going to be. But we wanted to talk with Dr. Wendy about um, sort of the context uh, of all of this. And there was one specific story that kind of caught my eye this week. And it started with a tweet from Michael Ian Black, who on Valentine's Day, on the day of the shooting in Florida, wrote on Twitter, deeper even than the gun problem is this, boys are broken. And in an interview, he elaborated on that. And he says, I think it means there's something going on with American men that is giving them the permission and space to commit violence. And one of the main things we focus on correctly is guns and mental health. But I think deeper than that is a problem, a crisis in masculinity. Toxic masculinity has long been a phrase that you'll hear from feminists. Um, the stereotypical idea that masculinity is all about, um, you know, being a real man. So repressing your feelings, uh, constantly demonstrating strength and dominance. If you're a boy, this is what you should behave as. Right. And I should add that historically there were times where we our culture... Our species needed, quote unquote, real men. We needed them to fight in World War II. We needed them to build, uh, you know, the infrastructures of our country, their their strength. We needed them to, um, you know, help us immigrate and move around the globe. But now we're in the information age where women are more uniquely selected to extract resources from the environment. We are better talkers, typers, and we have more social sensitivity, all skills needed for the information age. So what happens to men? Well, men actually, I believe, are in transition. And when you're in transition, you're in an identity crisis. Like if you're, if you're not supposed to be a quote-unquote real man, who are you? Because you're not supposed to necessarily become a whim, woman because you know, as much as I tell young single women, look, your idea of a power man, maybe a guy who can power a stroller, um, they're, not, you know, they're not endorsing men becoming more feminized. So I can imagine that men are in identity crisis and a little bit frustrated. 
I would say this. A hundred years ago, violence was a necessary thing. In many, in many places, in many cases, in many times, violence was a necessary thing. It was unfortunately a way of life. And for hundreds it, of thousands of years. For, yeah. for, yes, but, but I mean in the, in the recent past, it wasn't that long ago when, when violence was an almost daily occurrence for people. Mm-hmm. And in terms of violence in my life, it's, it's non-existent. I don't have to go <laughs> killing things that are eating my farm animals. No, or, Costco will do that for you. Right. I don't have to do that. I don't have to take care of that stuff. But I have always maintained, and I've said this to my son, who is now a young man in his own right, I've always maintained that if it came to that, violence may be necessary, whether it's protecting your mom, protecting your sister, protecting your wife, protecting your children. There, there could, In the off chance that it would happen, that it is a necessary thing. And there are, I mean, there are instances where we can all come up with in our minds um, times when we would like someone to be violent to protect us. Yes. Right? Absolutely. In fact, women, as I tell men who are trying to impress these women who seem so self-sufficient and independent, we are still physiologically smaller than you guys. And what we want to feel is safe. Right. We want to feel protected. So, yes. Look no further than our violent, increasingly violent media. I personally don't believe that violent media creates violent people unless it's consumed by a developing mind. Small kids, right? I think actually our aggression has gone into our media as it's leaving its usefulness in everyday life. Interesting. And it's like uh, it's, we're compensating in some like way. We it has need to go to, somewhere. We need to have our violence somewhere. Yeah. But where does this come – Where where does the – um, where do we leave violence as a necessary evil, you know, violence only when it's when it's required to violence as a sport? And I mean, an actual physical real world manifestation of violence as opposed to the video game portion of it. Like right. What what causes that break? Well, were some men even is it a mental illness for them to believe that that is a necessary thing when it's know, not required in studies of mass shooters? uh Psychologists believe that not all of them are mentally ill. They do have a certain personality type that collects slights. In other words, injustices across the lifespan accumulate. Where they become the victim. uh, Yes, always Where they believe they're the victim. And they externalize. Every problem didn't come from within them. It came from without. And sometimes when we say injustices, there may be, you know, major trauma that happened all the way along. It may be real, but the way that it was managed. You know, we all... People of all genders need to learn to manage our feelings, and we need to learn to find healthy ways to express our feelings. Now, a lot of these school shooters are young people, so they have a not fully developed prefrontal cortex. They are absolutely loaded with testosterone. As we were talking about 100 years ago or longer, men using aggression, a lot of that aggression was also filled with risk. And therefore, Mother Nature designed it perfectly that more boy babies are actually born to the human species. And by the time we reach about 30, we're in equal numbers. And then have you visited an old age home lately? Uh, Predominantly women. Hey, girl. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So this testosterone both acts as a protector and helps us procure food and that sort of thing. But it also involves risk. So there's a lot of death and dying because of the fights and, uh, you know, the gunfire and they were driving too fast. Insurance companies know to charge young males a lot more for their car insurance. You know, there's an interesting study I wanted to tell you about. I had the author of this study on my show a while back. The study's called The Man Box. And these researchers looked at men in the UK, the US, and Mexico. 
And they looked at what they call the seven pillars of being in the man box. And I guess, you know, you could say these are the pillars that create toxic masculinity. So it included ideas that self-sufficiency, a man shouldn't talk about his fears or his worries. He should suck it up and he should take care of himself. Uh, Acting tough, a guy who doesn't fight when others push him is a weakling. Physical attractiveness, men are supposed to be attractive to a woman. Rigid masculine gender roles, they don't cook, they don't clean, they don't push strollers. This belief system, right? Hypersexuality or homophobia, take all sex, any sex at any cost as long as it's heterosexual sex. Um, Aggression and control. So if men believe in these pillars of the man box that were mostly taught to them by culture, interestingly enough, they have higher rates of Mental illness, including anxiety and depression, and worse, physical health. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. So where it's got to start is how we psychoeducate our little boys. Already, we let girls process. We let them, oh, cry it out. Have a good cry, honey. Let's see if we can call her and talk about this. And guys, we say, suck it up. Big boys don't cry. And the only emotion that we allow our boys to express is anger and rage, and do it on the football field, right? Aggression, get it out. That's what we think. We now learn that if you get out aggression, you're sometimes fueling it as well by acting on well, it. Well, you could argue that some of those things are old-fashioned. I mean, just to use a, a <laughs> blank label, it's, it would yep. be old-fashioned. So why did we not have, or do we just not recall, violent mass shootings like this 70 years ago? No, oh, we didn't have the media. hundred years We didn't ago. have the media covering them. No, in the Middle Ages, if your neighbor looked at you funny, you took a club to them. And it Come was, it was we have, not... We're actually more safe and less violent as a species than at any time in history. What has happened, even if you look at the mass shootings that have been covered so far in 2018, the only ones that have been covered are near big media centers, right? So you're not hearing about the little one in Kentucky. It's like, oh, Miami, that's big. We've got to talk about that. So... We have to be careful that just because we seem to have this awareness that it is increasing more and more and happening all the time, it's happening more in the media. I wanted to ask you, we were talking earlier about uh, the possibility of kids being desensitized to violence. Uh, Sheriff Jim McDonald in his press conference today said that they have had 19 threats to schools, students, or teachers since the shooting last week. Wow. Um, And he uh, had a couple anecdotal stories about one boy who was 10 years old who got upset because his seat got moved in his classroom, said, I'm going to shoot up the school. A uh, 12-year-old boy got upset because his Oreo cookies were taken away from him. Shoot up the school. And I just <laughs> want to talk to you about our kids, because of all of the coverage of these shootings and because of the number of them and this being the era of school shootings, uh, if they're becoming desensitized to them. Um, well, I, I think a 10-year-old doesn't know the value of their words. They just know that this is the talked about topic right. and... You know, also, in, yeah, like in, what does that even mean? Yeah. In middle school, they use a slur, which is gay. Like, oh, that's so gay. Right. when They're describing things. And I don't think they even understand what plenty of times what it means. Right. Yeah. So there's part partly that I think all of us have become kind of desensitized because the media coverage is so enormous. And for me, I notice clearly it happened after Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook rattled us. It really did. Twenty six little children. Right. And I don't know if you remember, there was like a Twitter campaign where you were supposed to do 26 acts of kindness. And it was our way of sort of relieving our pain. We all cried over that. And then when nothing changed, then the biggest one of all time, Vegas happened, right? And 
you know, terrible. It's like we're resigned. We're like, ugh, there it is again. And now school shooting. I'm actually inspired, and we should talk about this if we have time, about the teenagers taking some control now. We'll do that when we come back. Uh, we are standing by, though. The president is going to hold a listening session in the White House, and we'll, if that starts, we'll dip into that. But we're going to try to come back and talk about the kids doing something out of Florida. Gary and Shannon. Uh, yes. With Dr. Wendy for Wednesdays with Dr. Wendy. KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640. We are talking to Dr. Wendy, but also monitoring a listening session the president is having on mass shootings. Our students, uh, other people, the vice president just got done with a moment of prayer. Are these students who are involved in the shooting in Florida? Some of them, yes. Some of them? Yeah. Do we have have the audio? And of the American people. As the president said last week, the American people are united with one heart, broken. This is probably impossible to hear in a but car. Right the president now. called this meeting. That's better. For us, as much to talk about what's happened in our country over the last 20 years, and to find out from all of you gathered here by listening, by learning, how we might ensure that this is the last time this ever happens. I. Uh, Along with the president, I'm deeply moved by the stories of heroism and courage. And I'm candidly moved by the courage that it takes for many of you to be here today. And what I just want to encourage you to do is tell us your stories. America is looking on. Your president, our entire administration, leaders around the country at every level are looking on. And we, we want to hear your hearts today. I encourage you to be candid and be vulnerable and share with us not only your personal experience, but what it is that you would have us to do. And just know that as the president has already taken action, he'll be meeting in this very room in the coming days with governors from all 50 states to make school safety the top priority of this administration across this country. President and I wanted to hear from you all first. And so I, I want to say thank you for coming. Thank you for the courage of being willing to be here and share share your hearts. And uh, just from our families to your families, just God bless you and come. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. Students, teachers, parents, thank you for being here. For many of you, you lived through something unthinkable. For many of you, it's raw and fresh. I admire your strength and bravery to come and share your experience with the president, the vice president, and the world. No student, no parent, no teacher should ever have to endure what you all have. My heart is broken. What happened last week shocked us. It angers us, and it pains us. We are here to have an earnest conversation about why this tragedy and too many others before it happened. This is Betsy DeVos, the education secretary. We're here to listen 
to gain your important perspective on ways to reduce violence and to protect students. Our hope is that by talking and by listening, we can make something that was unthinkably bad something good. And your loss and your trauma must never be in vain. So thank you again for being here, and let's get started. Thank you very much, Betsy. I just want to say before we really begin, because I want to hear you, but we're going to be very strong on background checks. We'll be doing very strong background checks, very strong emphasis on the mental health of somebody, and we are going to do plenty of other things. Again, next week, the governors are coming in from most of the states, and we're going to have a very serious talk about what's going on with school safety. Very important. And uh, we're going to cover every aspect of it. There are many ideas that I have. There are many ideas that other people have. And we're going to pick out the strongest ideas, the most important ideas, the ideas that are going to work, and we're going to get them done. It's not going to be talk like it has been in the past. It's been going on too long, too many instances, and we're going to get it done. So, again, I want to thank you all for being here. And I'd like, I'd like to hear your story, and I'd also like to, uh, if you have any suggestions for the future based on this horrible experience that you've gone through, uh, I'd love to have those ideas. All right? How about this story? All right. Well, thank you, Mr. President, for having me here. Um, my name is Julia Cordover, and I'm from Stoneman Douglas High School, and I was there during the shooting, and I'm a survivor. And I want you guys all to emphasize the point that I survived. I was lucky enough to come home from school, unlike some of my other classmates and teachers. And it's, it's very scary. And knowing that a lot of people did not have this opportunity to, to, be, to be here still um, is mind-blowing. And I'm just, I feel like there is a lot to do. And I really appreciate you, like, hosting me and what you were saying. I, I'm confident that you'll do the right thing, and I appreciate you looking at the uh, bump stocks yesterday. That means it is definitely a, a step in the right direction, and I think we can all agree on that. Um, there's definitely a lot more to go, but I, I am just grateful that I'm here, and we can try to work out something, um, maybe compromise on some solutions, so this never has to, no child, no person um, in this world will ever have to go something through so horrific and tragic, and my thoughts and prayers are out to everyone there. So, thank you. Hello, my name is Jonathan Blank. I go to Stoneman Douglas, and I was actually in the second classroom that I was shot at. Um, in my mind, as a kid, that should nothing ever that horrible should ever have to happen to you, and you can't even think about it. Like it doesn't even seem real still. Everything seems fake. I don't real. I can't even. I don't even know what's going on. It's just crazy. Everything happening. It's just so tragic. Thank you for everything. Um, you've done a gr great job, and I like the direction that you're going in. Thank you. My name is Melissa Blank. Jonathan is my son, and I am a teacher's aide at Westlake's Middle School that was also on lockdown. So I couldn't get in touch with my son to find out if my son was alive or not. 
I feel for all of these families, my, my, my heart is just broken for my whole community. We, uh, we're coming together. I feel for all the families who have lost. And I feel for the ones that are here because we now have almost a guilt like I have. Why not my child, which I feel bad saying I'm happy that he's here with me. But I feel so bad for all of you who have lost so many. And I'm just begging to, for a change. We need a change. Kip, do you mind? May I pass the microphone back to my daughter? Because I think she has some nice solutions. And um, if that's okay with you. Thank you. This is the uh, White House listening um, session. The president and vice president are in a room with uh, students and families and teachers talking about school shootings. And I know that there are a lot of different solutions that we can go through to help eradicate this issue. But one that stuck out to me was about all the drills and protocols that my teachers had to go through. Um, they knew what to do once the code read for an active shooter was announced. But through research, I found that only 32 states require drills. But of those 32 states, m more than half of the counties do not go through the drills because they want to spend their resources towards something else. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that a bill was also passed that declared that each school has to go through one drill each month. But I know that my school, we go through fire drills every month, and we, were, we have not had our lockdown drill yet this year. And I think a change that will increase all the, the trainings and protocols calls. So if, God forbid, another sh shooting does happen, at least all the teachers will be prepared and can hopefully keep their students calm. Thank you very much. Thank you. Please. Hi. Um, my name is Ariana Klein. I would just like to say thank you for leading this country. You're a great leader, and I appreciate the direction that the country is going in. Um, I'm a junior. I attended Stoneman Douglas. And I just want to say that everybody right now is so stuck on what they believe that they're not even listening to what other people believe. We need to listen to the other points of views. We all need to realize that we all have different points of views and that we need this solution is not going to be a singular thing. It's going to be multifaceted and it's going to be created by a collection of different people working together and we all have to realize that we all have our opinions and together we're going to be able to work to a solution and this is not just Parkland anymore this is America this is every student in every city and every everywhere it's, it's everybody it's not small it's everything I just like to say thank you for having thank us you given appreciate it. Uh, my name is Fred Abt I'm Carson's dad uh, I'm going to pass the microphone along to some of the other students. If we have a chance later on, perhaps I'll speak or other parents could speak, but I'd like the students to get their chance. My name is Justin Gruber, and I was at the school at the time of the massacre. I'm only 15 years old. I'm a sophomore. 19 years, 19 years ago, uh, the first school shooting Columbine at Columbine High School uh, happened in and I was born into a world 
where I never got to experience safety and peace. There needs to be a significant change in this country because this has to never happen again. And people should be able to, to be, feel that when they go to school, they can be safe. And because there needs to be a change, uh, I'm sorry, uh, people need to feel safe and parents shouldn't have to go through the idea of losing their child. As I know, for my dad, he, 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 was, he was panicking and he, he couldn't imagine it. So uh, th that shouldn't even be a possibility that you go through a parent's mind uh, and there, sh there needs to be some change. Thank you. I'm Carrie Gruber, Justin's dad. Um, and I'll be brief. You know, Justin was texting me, hiding in a closet, saying, if something happens, I love you. If something happens, I love you. And you can't imagine what that's like as a parent. And then his phone died, and I didn't know what happened for an another hour or so. So uh, 17 lives are gone. I was lucky enough to get my son home, but 17 families it's this is it's not left and right it's not political it's a human issue people are dying and we have to stop this we have to stop if if he's not old enough to buy a drink to to go and buy a beer he should not be able to buy a gun at 18 years old i mean that's just a common sense we have to do common sense please mr trump these are things we have to do in israel you have to be 27 years old to have a gun you're only allowed one they tax the guns you have to go through significant training. We got to do something about this. We cannot have our children die. This is just heartbreaking. Please. Thank you. Hi, my name, my name is Shannon Morris. I'm a local administrator um, for a school in D.C., and I really want to continue the conversation for our students. Hi, my name is Vielka Marcus, and I'm also a local educator here in Washington, D.C. Um, for Friendship Public Charter Schools. So I will allow our, our students that are here to voice their uh, opinions as well as give some of their ideas to do that at this time. And my condolences and my heart truly go out to not just the families that have lost children in this horrific, horrific incident that has occurred, but also to our families here in the District of Columbia that experience gun violence outside of our schools that directly impact our schools because they are our students. Hello, my name is Alea Barnett and I go to the Friendship Technology Preparatory Academy um, in the heart of Southeast DC. Um, my condolences to every family um, here that experienced the shooting and all the students that um, experienced that. And I'm here on behalf of um, my school and all of the friendship schools in, in D.C. Um, to be able to prevent those kind of things happening in our school. Because um, in southeast D.C., we do encounter a lot of violence and things um, most of the time at night, but some. A lot of the times it's in like the daytime too. So our schools, we do take um, preventive, preventative measures and everything to stop that. Like we check bags at the door and everything. And it does make us, at first we're like, 
no, we don't want to do this, but then we realize it's for our safety. But we wanted to make sure that it continues and that nothing can ever slip up to um, for this for these things to happen, like like in school, um, counseling for our students who um, are struggling with um, fear and um, bullying. Bullying um, triggers emotions that will make a student want to bring like a weapon to school to protect themselves or to get revenge for a person who um, that did something to them. So we just want to have a lot of preventative measures to um, be in the schools and also outside of school to make sure that nothing can happen to us while we're in school. Hello, Mr. President. Thank you for having us. I'm Christine Hunchofsky. I'm the mayor of the city of Parkland. Um, <laughs> we have a great city. It's been one of the safest cities in America, and the fact that this happened in our city means it can happen anywhere. We are blessed that we are a very close-knit, family-oriented city, and our community is coming together. We lost 17 lives, but the ripple effects throughout the community are devastating. I have spent the last week going to funerals. Friends of mine they're, lost their children. We have to, at some point, care enough and be strong enough to come up with solutions. Um, and I hope we will. And if I might, um, I had two parents who lost children this past week text me some of their thoughts, if I might share them with you. Um, thank you. I spoke to... Um, Jennifer and Tony Montalto, they just had uh, buried their daughter, Gina, yesterday. And um, their comments were, so Tony is an airline pilot, and um, he said he supports the Second Amendment, but he does not believe there is a need for assault rifles. He also said that the FBI, there were signs missed, and it reminded him of 9-11. So we do have to work on making sure that our protocols are in place so that um, area, people don't slip through the cracks, literally, in this case. Um, we also talked about the red flag laws. Uh, I think there's a little progress being made in Florida now on the red flag laws, which is when somebody shows signs of hurting themselves or someone else, you can um, take their, their gun away from them. Fred Guttenberg, um, the service for his daughter, Jamie, was last week on Friday. And he would like um, the administration to publicly acknowledge the role of guns. Now, these two parents talked about guns, and there are absolutely lots of areas that, where there's room for improvement, lots of areas from mental health, from teacher training. But also, part of that is also the gun issue. So it's not that it's just those and not the gun. It's all of them. And... Um, in the debate world, in the high school debate world, the kids talk about when they bring up legislation, you want to have impacts. You're not bringing up legislation that doesn't have a positive impact. And the, what is the positive impact of having legislation that stops assault rifles, bans assault rifles? It could save a life. And that needs to be a priority in any case, and when we talk about rights, so we have the right for free speech. But if free speech in any way endangers someone, it gets restricted. And I think um, I appreciate that we're coming here to listen, 
And I appreciate that we're coming here to look at all different perspectives because we need action and we need to be solution-oriented. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Because my daughter has no voice. She was murdered last week and she was taken from us. Shot nine times on the third floor. We, as a country, failed our children. This shouldn't happen. We go to the airport. I can't get on a plane with a, a bottle of water, but we leave it. Some animal could walk into a school and shoot our children. It's, it's just not right, and we need to come together as a country and work on what's important, and that's protecting our children in the schools. That's the only thing that matters right now. Everyone has to come together and not think about different laws. We need to come together as a country, not different parties, and figure out how we protect the schools. It's, it's simple. It's not difficult. We protect airports. We protect concerts, stadiums, embassies. The Department of Education that I walked in today that has a security guard in the elevator. How do you think that makes me feel? In the elevator, they got a security guard. I'm, I'm very angry that this happened because it keeps happening. 9-11 happened once, and they fixed everything. How many schools, how many children have to get shot? It stops here with this administration and me. It's, I'm not going to sleep until it's fixed. And, Mr. President, we're going to fix it. I'm going I'm to fix it. I'm not going to rest. And look at... My boys need to live with this. I want to see everyone. You guys look at this. Me, I, I, I'm, I'm a man. But to see your children go through this, bury their sister. So we, that's what I keep saying this, because I want it to sink in, not forget about this. We can't forget about it. These, all these school shootings, it, just, it doesn't make sense. Fix it. Should have been one school shooting, and we should have fixed it. And I'm pissed, because my daughter I'm not going to see again. She's not here. She's not here. She's at, in, in North Lauderdale, at whatever it is, King David Cemetery. That's where I go to see my kid now. And it, it stops. We all work together and come up with the right idea, and it's school safety. It's not about gun laws right now. That's, that's another fight, another battle. Let's fix the schools, and then you guys can battle it out whatever you want. But we need our children safe. Monday, tomorrow, whatever day it is, your kids are going to go to school. You think everyone, everyone's kids are safe? It ha I didn't think it was going to happen to me. If I knew that, I'd, I would have been at the school every day if I knew it was that dangerous. It's enough. Let's get together, work with the president, and fix the schools. That's it. No other discussions. Security, whatever we have to do, get the right people, the consultants. It's a, these are our commodities. I'm never going to see my kid again. I want you all to know that. Never, ever will I see my kid. That's how I want it to sink in. It's eternity. My beautiful daughter, I'm never going to see again. And it's simple. 
It's not. We could fix it. This is my son, Huck, who's have to deal with this, too. You have something to say, son? Um, I, j I just want to add, um, it, it's imperative to the safety of everyone that um, to support a free market and, and a free flow of ideas and, and, and listen to, to people on, listen to radical opinions on both, both sides. And that's how we'll find solutions. You, you let people battle it out in a free flow of ideas. Censorship has got to stop. And that, that's, uh, that's how we find the solutions, by listening to everyone, being, having an open mind. This is my son, Hunter. How are you? I'm Hunter Pollock, class of 15, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. I walked the same hallways where Meadow got shot and all 16 other victims. First off, I want to thank Mr. President for having us. We had a very effective meeting before we walked in this room. Mr. Vice President as well and Madam Secretary, I put all my trust into them and my father that together that we'll be able to find a solution. And that's all I have to say. Thank you for having us. My name is uh, Sam Zeif. I'm a student from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in Parkland. And uh, I just want to take a second first to thank you for having me, Mr. President, Mr. Vice President, Madam Secretary. Um, I was on the second floor in that building, texting my mom, texting my dad, texting three of my brothers that I was never going to see him again. And then it occurred to me that my 14-year-old brother was directly above me in that classroom where Scott Beagle was murdered. <sighs> Scott Beagle got my brother into class. He was the last kid to get back into that class. And uh, I'm sure a lot of a lot of you have read my texts on the internet with my brother. I didn't plan for them to go viral. I just wanted to share with the world because no brothers or sisters or family members or anyone should ever have to share those texts with anyone. And that's why I'm here. I lost a best friend who's practically a brother. And I'm here to use my voice because I know he can't. And I know he's with me, cheering me on to be strong, but it's hard. And to feel like this, it doesn't even feel like a week. Time has stood still. To feel like this ever, I can't, I can't feel comfortable in my country knowing that people have, will have, are ever going to feel like this. I want to feel safe at school. You know, senior year 
in junior year, there were big years for me when I turned my academics around, started connecting with teachers, and I started actually enjoying school. And now, I don't know how I'm ever going to step foot on that place again, or go to a public park after school, or be walking anywhere. Me and my friends, we get scared when a car drives by. Anywhere. And I think I agree with Hunter and Huck and how we need to let ideas flow and get the problem solved. I don't understand. I turned 18 the day after. Woke up to the news that my best friend was gone. And I don't understand why I could still go in a store and buy a weapon of war, an AR. I was reading today that a person 20 years old walked into a store and bought an AR-15 in five minutes with an expired ID. How is it that easy to buy this type of weapon? How do we not stop this after Columbine, after Sandy Hook? I'm sitting with a mother that lost her son. It's still happening. In Australia, there was a shooting at a school in 1999. And you know, after that, they took a lot of ideas. They put legislation together. And they stopped it. Can anyone here guess how many shootings there have been in the schools since then in Australia? Zero. We need to do something, and that's why we're here. So let's be strong for the fallen who don't have a voice to speak anymore. And let's never let this happen again. Please, please. Mr. President, Mr. Vice President, Madam Secretary. Um, my story is far too well known. Um, I had two sons who were at Sandy Hook School. Uh, my eldest, who was eight at the time, survived, and my six-year-old son, Dylan, did not. And I have been working tirelessly on this issue for over five years now. Um, the organization that I help lead, Sandy Hook Promise, is very focused on keeping kids safe at school because no parent should go through this. Every parent who sends their kid to school should know without any question in their mind that they're going to be coming home that day. This is not a difficult issue. You're absolutely right. There are solutions and this administration has the ability to put them in place and after Sandy Hook, they said, this, we wouldn't let this happen again. And yet it has continued to happen for five years. How many more deaths can we take as a country? How many more teenagers and six- and seven-year-olds can we allow to die? Don't let that happen anymore on your watch. There are things that you can do right now. Um, mental health, you mentioned earlier. Funding for that would be very much appreciated. The Stop School Violence Act 
enabling prevention programs and reporting systems in schools across America. It's already passed through the House. It's in the Senate right now. Urge swift passage of that. That can get a lot of help to schools. I absolutely agree. Since Sandy Hook, there has been an increase in school safety and security. We've invested a lot in the bricks and mortar of our schools. We've invested a lot in the security of our schools. I think we also need to focus on prevention. How do we prevent these acts from happening? How can we help identify and get help for people who are at risk of hurting themselves or others before they pick up any weapon? That's what we need to focus on by preventing these acts, and you have the ability to do that. There's legislation available to you right now. There are free training programs, such as our Know the Signs programs, available across the states right now. You could mandate these sorts of programs. You could ensure that schools, students, and educators are trained how to recognize these signs and to know what to do when they see them, and then to ensure that those tips are followed through. This is not difficult. These deaths are preventable. And I implore you, consider your own children. You don't want to be me. No parent does. And you have the ability to make a difference and save lives today. Please don't waste this. Thank you. This is some powerful testimony coming from the peoples whose hearts have been just uh, ripped out uh, by, uh, by violence at schools, shootings at schools. And the president opening himself up to this kind of uh, well-publicized listening session is going to have to be followed up by some action. Yeah, I don't know how you sit in that room and don't do something. Right. Um, Andrew Pollack was the father of, if you were listening there, Andrew Pollack lost his daughter Meadow in that shooting last week. uh, And he was the dad who stood up with three sons and talked about uh, what he said was the most important part of all of this and that was improving safety at school sites once you get that done he said you do whatever you want you fight about gun control you fight about mental illness whatever it is but the first thing that has to happen is that you've got to secure the school campuses around the country and i know he's angry but you know you said it earlier there was a school there was an officer on campus yeah at florida but But with the schools this mammoth this big it's hard to how many officers are you going to need for a school that size? How many How many acres is it? 45. 45 acres. How many uh, deputies would you need to secure that place? Well, you just you restrict access for one thing. Well, you yeah, know, that's You only allow people sure. in one gate or two gates or whatever that you actually have people around. Anyway, so that, that we'll uh, we'll hear more about that throughout uh, throughout the day. John is here. What's coming up with you guys? Uh, well, we're going to point out the biggest difference between what happened in Florida and what happened in Whittier is that people did their jobs properly. Sounds like it, yeah. That's, that's really all you need that would clear up a lot of this problem. Right. Somebody somebody heard something, took him to the principal's office, got him to confess, called the sheriffs. The sheriffs went to the guy's apartment or home and found all the guns. There you go. That's ever, All of that was not done in Florida that's from the, the FBI that, on down. That's the thing that keeps pissing me off. Yeah. Everyone saw something and everyone said something and yet nothing was done. Yeah, It's, it's like the homeless cleanup in Orange County. Everybody just decided to do their job, and boom, look, suddenly the riverbed's clean, see? Skid well, row, 50 for, years in the making. For now. Huh? For what now. happens in 30 days? Well, it's going to be another job for them to do. <laughs> That's All what right. we pay them for. John and Ken, up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody.